Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Magic and the Other Guy. And Kevin and I are sitting outside my home here on the banks of Lake Wiley down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Well, you mentioned 20, 25. That's some sort of milestone. Is that a, what a silver, we call that a silver milestone? <laughs> that's right. Diamond Jubilee, is that? Is no, that I think that's 75 or something oh, is it? Like that. oh, I'm, not, I'm never very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> when we get to 75, we'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> hopefully, you'll, you'll know when we get there. But, yeah, all right. But, yeah, we'll call this a milestone and move on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, congratulations for getting up to episode 25. Absolutely. And they said it had never last. There you go. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Well, we've definitely, in, in the past, we, we enjoy and have hit on uh, modes of transportation a, a, a number of times. We've covered first cars, we've covered bicycles, and we've covered... Uh, mass transit, that type of thing, yeah. but uh, boating. Let's talk about boating this time. Boating? Well, yeah, I, okay. Start us off, what's your, what's your great boating story? Well, my experience actually goes back um, to my our very earliest memories. Um, my family was always in into boating, and come to find out, it happened because when my sister was younger, my dad's best friend that he'd grown, grown up with, they were trying to find something that, as they were having kids that they could bring the whole family in. Uh, my dad and, and, and Steve, okay. uh, his friend, always liked a motorcycle and such like that, but that wasn't something they could bring the family and get them involved in with having little kids and such. So they both decided to buy boats huh. and kind of really enjoyed getting into the boating hobby. Yeah. Now, I do that. Well, I have only owned one boat in my entire life, um, and it's the boat in my little boathouse here down at the lake. I've never never had a boat in England or down in France. Um, so this is my first boat experience, which is a 1967 Starcraft. Yep. Didn't pay an awful lot of money for it, surprise, surprise, and uh, it wanted restoring. So I've never worked on a boat before, so it's kind of a fun learning experience for me. And it has a little Evinrude 40 horsepower big twin engine also from 1967 that was seized and the transmission was seized on it as well um, so I had quite a time online looking through eBay trying to find parts for that to restore it but slowly slowly over a couple of years I did manage to get all the parts had to make the new seats on the inside and some of the I don't know, I'll call it superstructures because I'm not really sure the technical terms for boats uh, some of the structure underneath the dash at the front of the boat I had to renew which had been water damaged and rewire it and new fuel system on it new, pretty much knew everything but uh, it was a fun experience and a great sense of achievement to finally hear the engine fire up oh, and absolutely. run and, and then get it in the water uh, so that was, yeah, that was my, that's that's my one and only boat, yeah. Well, you're one ahead of me. I've never actually owned a boat. You've never owned a boat. No, never owned a boat. But uh, like I say, you know, we, if we go back, my earliest earliest memories, we were in Knoxville. There's the geese chiming in mm. again. They definitely want to talk to us today. Um, but when, when I was little, I mean, before I even came along, Mom and Dad were very active members of the Knoxville Boat Club. Really? And yeah. it was it wasn't too far from our house, actually. You kind of wind your way, and then you go down this little thing, cross a little creek, and, and go up to the property. And I, I remember you know, going there regularly uh, as a kid. And when I first started going, they had a little, little clubhouse that actually uh, was floating. You'd go kind of across a little landing onto this uh, you know, floating you know, party room. Right. And they had a little, you know, uh, tables and bar in there and stuff like that. Yeah. And eventually, they uh, took on the land, they built a, uh, a structured one, which still stands today, the same same building. Does it really? Yeah. And there was a, uh, 
I believe the story goes that uh, there was a, a person that owned the land, Mr. Badgett, and at the time he was elderly back then. Okay. And I still remember they would have these grand birthday parties for Mr. Badgett, uh, and I remember attending those. And he would, he would, he was always so nice, and and he would always let me have the toys off his cake. Like he was a far, he was an old farmer. Yeah. And they would almost always make him a cake with little like little tractor on it. Little tractor, a little plastic cow yeah. or plastic pigs okay. and stuff. And he always let me have those oh, at cool. the end of the party. So that was a nice little memory. Yeah. But uh, I still remember going down to those, and I barely remember these. But they would have the you know boat races there. Yeah. Um, my dad has some trophies. He raced some. Really? And these were just—they must have been. I never watched him do it, so yeah. it's probably before my time of memory. But I'm sure they were just like little club races, and it was just your your runabout boat that you had, not anything special. So I've got a few trophies, and I know one year he won some sort of championship because we have the pictures wow, of him with this trophy that? that's probably a three footer, and it was the kind that you know you got to keep it for the year, and they put your name on it, and then yes. the next year it would go to the other person's house that won. Okay. And all that. So, so how come you've got full-time uh, keep of it? Oh, I, oh it, when you win a trophy like that, they let you, as the winner, take it home for the year. Okay. Now, the next year, somebody else may win. It goes to them. So you haven't got it now, right? You, oh, you, no, no, no. I haven't, right. I haven't oh, okay. seen that trophy. Right, right, right. I wonder where it is. I wonder if they, uh, if they ha- still have it. It'd be nice to, to connect yeah. with them and find out if it's still there. But this was early 70s. Yeah. So I was probably five or under. When he, when he won that one. But I've got a couple of smaller ones where he won a class or whatever uh, that were permanent that we got to keep. Yeah. Well, that, that's cool. I mean, I was thinking, talking about trophies and keeping trophies, I know we're already jumping way off topic, but uh, the Formula One teams obviously compete for the, the Constructors' Championship. And every year when the team wins the Formula One Championship, their emblem is attached to that silver trophy in a spiral that starts at the bottom and goes uh, up to the top. And the, that championship was introduced in 1958. The drivers was from 1950, which is a very similar idea, but with the driver's signature after each year is, is put onto the trophy. But for the teams, it's the team's emblem. And uh, it, it's an FIA requirement that all the cars have that team emblem, their, their team emblem, their designated emblem, on the nose of the car. It's not just a coincidence they happen to be there. It's a sporting requirement. That they're oh, there. Wow. So when you see the Ferrari uh, prancing horse emblem on the front of the Formula One car, it is a requirement that they have it there. Uh, and obviously on the Formula One Constructors Trophy, there are now 16 replicas of that because of their 16 championships. I know we're way off base with this. The reason I mention it is because... Obviously, there is only one constructors championship, but when you when a team wins the championship trophy, they have a replica made, a, a precise replica of it made. So it's in the factory. Yeah. So when yeah, Red for Bull, trophy room. Yeah. So when Red Bull, for example, they did this wonderful thing where they had the trophy and Benetton did the same thing, have the trophy in the reception area of the factory. And I remember Red Bull announcing through social media if anybody in the area wants to come and have a look what the Formula One trophy looks like. It's there on display. We're not going to hide it away. We want you to come and look at it. We want you to take notice of it. That's so that's why I asked you about your trophy. You know, did you have to give it back? And, yeah. Or did yeah. you have a replica made of it? Yeah, just have the few pictures. It's funny. It's uh, The picture is head standing next to it. Uh, it's sitting on this old console TV. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably, you know, <laughs> yeah. definitely ages the... Yeah. The, uh, and so does the tie dad's wearing. is about as wide as he is, you know, and such like that. But uh, Well, I, I've always been very... I mean, it always sounds 
like a lot of I've had hundreds of boats. I haven't. I've had one, as we just talked about, and it's just around the back from where we're sitting here. But I've heard many stories of folks spending lots of money on boats and then really wishing they'd not done that. And someone told me this old adage of the the two greatest days of a boater's life is the first day they buy the boat and the the day that they they sell it. it. Absolutely. (laughs) So when I I was looking for a boat project, I always had that in mind that I am not, not, not going to, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on it. I want to just keep it as, you know, as cost effective as possible. So... uh, Well, we kept it, our dad kept it very simple back in the day. I mean, the first one I remember, again, this was probably, they probably had this before I was born, it was a little uh, runabout, you know, with a with a open bow, so you could go up and sit in the two seats, yes. you know, one in front of the driver, yes. one in front, and the little yeah. the little glass in the window would flap would open, so you could have access to those. I know exactly. And the then design, you, yeah. you know, you had you know two two seats facing back, and the two front with the driver, so six seats, and those would fold down if you wanted to make a little sunning, you know, yeah. Yeah. table or whatever you want yeah. to call it. Um, and it was always an outboard. And I think both of the boats I can remember as a kid, they were made by a company called MFG, which okay. stood for Manufactured Fiberglass. Yes. And Dad always had, I guess what you call a trihull. Okay. So it would have two check. It had a, a kind of a, a point that would go in the water on, on each side and then a point in the middle and a curved, concave Oh, okay. Curve. Yeah, it'd be like ground effects car starting Ex- from the kind of, yeah. So it, did not have, it didn't have a main point at the front. It always had those two grooves. Yes. And... Growing up uh, early on, it was a yellow one because I, I can A, remember it slightly, but B, it's the one I see in pictures. Yeah. So he had this yellow one, and at some point, he either you know, sold it and he ended up buying a blue one. And we had that blue one from the, probably the mid-'70s until we ended up selling our lake house. We sold it with the lake house. But And that whole time— Oh, you sold the boat as part of the fixtures yeah, of the house. When Dad sold yeah. that lake house in the mid-'90s, it was in the garage, and he right. said, everything with that house goes with it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun in it. Um, it, it was an outboard, like I said, uh, and you mentioned Evinrude. I recall it being a 60 Evinrude. Uh, 60 horsepower yeah, Evinrude? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, you still, I still remember, you know, it was at, we would take it to the lake house back then because we didn't have a garage built on the lake house for years. So many times that boat was pulled from the house. It was always in our garage, yeah. you know, inside on, a, on the trailer. And, you know, I'd climb up in it, you know, when, when I was a kid, even at the house and get up in it and mess around and come back out and stuff. Once we got the lake house, I really got into water skiing. You know, that was great because, you know, we'd, we'd go out for the day. And, yeah. And Dad was pretty good about, you know, staying out there. And he'd always pick you back up if you if you dropped, you know. He'd, even if you're trying something new like slalom skiing or something like that, that was a lot of turning around and course, firing that throttle and stuff like that. Water skiing fits in with your lifestyle perfectly, right? Because It did, yeah. Yeah, you, you, were, you were a surfer and... Uh, well, this uh, was... Yeah, skiing was first. Skiing was was it, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, we yeah. bought the lake house when I was seven, and we didn't move to Florida until I was almost just turned turning 12. So I was skiing many years before that, and definitely slalom skiing. Of course, I started on two, and then uh, yeah, I got to where I was slalom skiing. Yeah, so you obviously took to it very well. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like a duck to water, as they say. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really nice. We had, yeah, and we would... We would go down on a Friday, leave the house, and swing by maybe and get Dad at work at Oak Ridge, and then head on down to the lake house, and we'd be there till Sunday evening, and we'd come back. You know, and it was just a different era. I mean, we didn't have a telephone in that house. People, people in our family had a phone number access to the neighbor down there. And if there was an actual emergency, they could call us. But yes. we, we, we had no phone at that house. 
if it's not an emergency, don't bother us. Yeah, just leave us alone. So we'd go down and spend, 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 spend the time down there. Of course, I did a lot of swimming and you know other other things, but uh, the boat. And we we'd get in it and maybe go around a couple of coves to uh, one of Dad's coworkers. Um, he had one. He had a lake house over there also. Right. And so we'd go and, and you know pull up to the dock and go see your friends, you know. And he always had uh, a, uh, he had three daughters. The youngest was kind of my age. So we would we would swim and play with each other and hang hang have a good time, and uh, I still remember swimming under their dock. And she said, "Oh, you can watch out for our, our adopted pet snake." And I'm like, "Excuse me." <laughs> and there was this little water snake that had just kind of come around. And he'd really? be up on the little yeah. part of the dock that came out, you know, to support. And, and it's like, yeah, he doesn't bother us. We don't bother him. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, there's always, there is most definitely a lot of wildlife around water. I remember when I bought my house where we are here on Lake Wiley uh, the, the chap that uh, looks after my pest control uh, from another house that I had before buying this one down here on the lake uh, has now become a good friend of mine John he said have you ever lived down on a lake before and I said no this is a new experience for me he said you are going to be introduced to a lot of wildlife you never knew existed uh-huh. yeah there's certainly we have a lot of snakes down here I mean the last couple of years I actually haven't seen so many but uh, in the rocks, right on the at the edge of the grass, there, just where the lake starts, that's that's where they are. But honestly, I've never been that bothered by them. I mean, I'm not sort of freaked out by snakes, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the vast majority do. You do get great, anywhere great, near them, they go do, the opposite much, direction. Much, much, very much good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was always told, uh, John John told me a long while ago. He says, if you ever see a, a black snake, pure black snake. That is a good thing to have Absolutely. around your house. Absolutely, they're great to have. Yeah, they will take care of rodents, and they will see off the other snakes as well. So, And I have seen one black snake down here last year, which is probably the explanation why I haven't seen anything else. Yeah. Maybe that dear old thing is is doing its God duty very well. Yeah, we were um, at our last house before we moved to the one we're in, in now. Again, we're jumping off topics, but... <laughs> That's never stopped. We, we, we were out one day, and, and I can't remember who noticed it, if it was my wife or my daughter, but there was a good size snake working his way around the edge of the perimeter of the house yeah. staying close to the foundation yeah and he must have been good three to four feet long really and he was black with uh, yellow rings and the great thing about today's technology we just pulled up on the phone and looked him up and uh, i can't remember i can't remember what it was now but it said oh they're actually very very beneficial they'll kill venomous snakes hmm. and they even said a lot of people end up adopting them as pets they said they're really not aggressive he said they, they can bite, but even if they do, it's not very painful. Mm. And they said they can easily be adapted to... <laughs> I'd still rather not get bitten No, by and, and, <laughs> and we had no desire to take him inside. That's right. But I did, you know, kind of go over once we found out he was harmless or whatever and kind of, you know, touch his tail yeah. you know, as he was going along and such like that. But uh, now, just talk- let him be, you know, because I was like, I love you having you here. Talking of wildlife down here at the lake, you and I had an experience the other day when we were recording down here. True. Of seeing I know exactly some, which one you're going to talk about. Some deer or deers deers are sort of archaic that still gets used in England but I think in the States deer is plural a bit like fish and fishes yeah. but seeing deer cross the lake swimming across the lake I'd and never I've never seen, seen that never before. seen anything like it I remember you were inside and I saw something which I thought was people on the bank maybe you know a few properties over and I realized oh that's a look check out there's a, you know, a group of deer next thing you know eight of them are in the water it's and they're going across. across which is what maybe 200 yards at, at least 200 yards to so the other point on the opposite side of the cove where we are here on, on Lake Wiley. 
Yes, and uh, that was a that was a tremendous thrill to see that. Yeah, we watched them get out, and they kind of shook off, kind of like a dog, and just, kept going. And just, <laughs> right. I didn't even know they could swim, so it just kept going. But I, the other thing that surprises me about deer down here, and it's not just Charlotte; it's pretty much all over the world. Is there is a lot of construction going on, and therefore, tragically, a lot of the uh, forests and woodland is being destroyed yeah, for, new, for, for, for new uh, construction, new houses. But they, you still see the deer. They don't seem to need an awful lot of forest land to breed and survive. Yeah. Well, where, where we live, we're in a very, you know, um, not close to the uptown, you know, hustle and bustle, but... We're in a very populated area, and we get deer in our backyard regularly. Yeah, it may be two, it may be up to we've seen up to eight to ten at one time. It has not been that many in the past couple of years in one grouping. But uh, I, I love to see them, and I know some folks don't like them, and they say, "Well, they deer eat the plants," and and I get all of that. I do, but I I love to see them down here. And in the mornings, I'm quite an early riser, and often up before sunrise, and I can look outside my bedroom window or down down on the lounge towards the, just the very tip of the point down here, and quite often see five, six, or seven deer, stroke deer, sitting oh, yeah. there and just you know, enjoy, enjoying the morning, yeah. <laughs> staring out over the lake. I'm not quite sure what they're looking for, no. but yeah, quite fun to see that. Yeah. Well, speaking of speaking of early risers, that reminds me, kind of back to where we were. Uh, oh, that's down right. At the, down at the lake. <laughs> Meanwhile, meanwhile, back to the topic of yeah, boats. Our lake house, we you know there was a, a we had neighbors, and this was three houses down. Um, there was a, a family, and they had a son that was right at my age, if, if not a year, so separated. Um, Sam and Sam loved to fish, and I still remember it would be the wee hours of I mean crack of dawn. Yeah, and he would be up, and I'd hear that little little uh, boat fire yeah, up and it was yeah. just one of those uh, I don't, it's an outboard but you kind of you know, yes. control it with the handle yeah yeah like the tiller is part of yeah, the, out, of the outboard yeah called something I'm sure and it was yeah. just attached to a basic aluminum boat yeah but he would be heading out to fish and I was much more of a sleeper <laughs> I, I, I valued my sleep more than fish but uh, and I was just never even all that time we had at the lake house I was just never that big of a a fishing person. Yeah. Now, occasionally, I would, you know, I, I did fish with Sam on occasion, but it, it was not my thing nearly like it was his. He really loved to get up and do that. And later in the day, though, we'd be, end up, a lot of times at his dock, because it was a little bit bigger and got a longer run. Yeah. And we'd swim off it and uh, do lots of things you know, well, down there. The, so. the thing that baffles me, um, and this is, this is my dad talking, really, through me here. Uh, my dad was a great fan of fishing. Um, just trout fishing in, in ponds and streams and rivers. But whatever he caught, we would eat. Nothing was going to be put back in, nothing was going to be thrown back. And it always baffles me here when I see folks on the lake fishing, and they obviously fishing on the lake quite a lot and in competition fishing. Yeah. They'll catch it, and uh, within, within seconds, the fish is back in the water. <laughs> and I can almost hear my dad saying, now, what on earth are they doing putting the fish back in? the water get it in the pan that's going to be lunch or that's going to be dinner well (laughs) different people are very passionate about whatever their sports or pastimes are you know we've touched on pastimes fairly recently but i just look at some of these things going that their setup is probably fifty thousand dollars for them to go out there and yeah catch fish during the day yes these the competition fishermen seem very devoted to that oh they're a whole other breed but just the, the casual guy that's got this setup it's like that's pretty amazing. You must really like to fish. So 
Yeah, so I've never really been much of a fisherman. Um, my dad was a man of very minimal patience, and I don't think, you know, being young kids gambling around his feet used to irritate him at the best of times. So the idea of going with him when he was fishing, and of course the idea is to be quiet and not scare the fish, and this great time of contemplation and calm reflection uh, when fishing, and young kids around him, I don't think... I don't think it really gelled that yep. he should teach us to fish. I mean, he kind of did, but I never really, I never really took to it. But I do very much like the idea of fishing and catching a trout at, when out camping and cooking it. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And that, that's yeah, a I can fun see that. thing. And I have done that. As, I, I have done it as a kid, but not very often, you know. I've, yeah, I've, that's something I can see myself appreciating more in these latter years, you know, than, yeah. than my younger days. So yeah, wait we'll one day. Yes, but I see a lot of the, a lot of um, uh, competition fishermen out here on the lake, and certainly on a Saturday morning. And they they will be out on the lake before if it's before sunrise or sunrise. It's right on the knockings of sunrise. Yeah, um, yeah, they are obviously very very keen on it. My my talking about my boat and restoring my little uh, Evinrood uh, engine. One one problem I had with that, even after when I got the boat on the water uh, it would have this tendency to just, the engine would just cut out and store on the water, and I was trying to trace this problem figuring out exactly if it was a fuel problem, where the fuel, what was the fuel problem, or if it was an ignition problem and um, the carburetor from 1967 was very worn and previous owners over so many decades had done all sorts of modern modifications to it, and it certainly wasn't in the best of shape. But talking about the joys of the internet and finding components, I went online and there was a chap advertising a brand new carburetor for exactly my engine. I thought, I cannot. He said, It's new old stock, it's in the box, it's exactly what you want. Oh, that's it's awesome. never been used. I, yeah. well, I can hardly believe it. Um, it wasn't the cheapest component I had to buy, but fine. I invested the money, and it, it arrived two or three days later. And I was so, so surprised when I took it out of the cardboard box, which was falling to pieces over the decades. It was obviously the original cardboard box, but the carburetor on the inside looked like it had been cast and finished yesterday. Um, took me about an hour to change it over onto the uh, onto the outboard of the boat, and the boat has been running touchwood absolutely trouble free ever since it's been a terrific thing Fantastic. but a great buy a great find a great buy to come across a new old stock car from 67 yeah that's great yeah yeah you couldn't have, could, my dad couldn't have done that back in the 70s <laughs> <laughs> i like all of that i'm still even now you know again i'm 58 getting on towards 60 and my eyes are not as good as they used to be so detail work is not as easy as it used to be but I still do like pottering around in the garage and getting things to work that haven't worked for a while there's, there's a great sense of achievement and pleasure in doing that yeah. and did you ever used to go on boating holidays at all? No. Like renting a boat, that sort of thing in the States? No, uh, you're talking about like a houseboat type well, of thing? Well yeah, anything like no, that yeah, um, yeah. Gosh, you know, like I said we, we, really, we had the house on the lake so we were, yeah, we were always so you didn't need that. to do that um, and then Gosh, the only time I think I ever rented a boat was, uh, and this was a lot of fun. Um, we did this. I did. I got it as a gift for Ruth on Mother's Day. Uh, my wife Ruth, um, two or three years ago, we uh, down here on Lake Wiley. We rented a pontoon for the day. Oh, the pontoon! But yes, yeah. I do see those on the lake. Yeah, 
yeah. They're basically like a small deck yeah. on floats, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yes. Yes, I see a lot of those. A lot of those. They seem very popular on and the I th- lake, actually. And I think, you know, if, if, if I was to have a lake house tomorrow and stuff, that probably one of them, I would definitely consider that as one of the choices. Yes. Because uh, it's really, yeah, you just kind of go out with your own party deck <laughs> and go out. It and, is basically a, d- a floating deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, not that I wouldn't. I would definitely ski again, you know, at any point. I would give it a, give it a go again. I think I'd probably you know, get the old skills going again. But uh, Yeah. And I've done, let's see, we used to... You, you can either call it kneeboarding or hydrosliding. Hydrosliding was actually a uh, brand okay. where you sit on your knees okay. on a little you know, b- yeah, sure. pointed board. Yeah. Um, and we did that. Uh, that was started in, well, I knew of it in Florida. My friends kind of mm-hmm. got into that. And I, I don't think I ever owned one, but you know, people may come to the lake houses or you know, guests or something like that in Tennessee. And this was college age and maybe a little after. But that's, we still had the house, so we would still go down there on occasion. So I'd bring friends over and such like that. And we would uh, hydroslide behind the boat. And then, two, I'd occasionally, for some reason, I can't remember why they were up there, but I had surfboards in Tennessee, I guess, when I wasn't living. But when we came back for college and wasn't living back in Florida yet, yeah. I just I brought them with me, I guess. Okay. That's probably what it was. Anyway, I would just get up on one of those behind the boat. Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and just hang on to the rope and, and such, so... So skiing along on on a surfboard. Yeah, oh, cool. Because yeah, it's just like that. a big, you know, kind yeah, of. Yeah, sure. I see that now. I was sure. I mean, I've never seen it done, but I can I can see the the reason for doing it. Yeah. So you know, I, I had them. That, that that was it. I brought them back up when we when mom and dad uh, moved back to, to Tennessee, and I wasn't living down there anymore either. So I had them. Uh, just probably kept them maybe in the boat from what I recall. I remember uh, one time I wanted to. I had this really long board. I got. I think I mentioned that before. The friend that had my old boss had it under his house and I pulled it out I wanted to try that behind the boat well our main runabout boat wasn't working it just dad could not get the engine to turn over we also had this little John boat you know those little aluminum kind of flat yes boats yeah yeah and just one of those little motors with a tiller yes and I wanted to try try that board out so bad that we, we <laughs> attached the road to the back of that thing going down the lake that the nose of that thing was probably up at a 45 degree angle because all the weight I was putting on the back of it I'm sure Dad couldn't see a thing as he was going along, but you know he knew he knew that lake. He'd, he'd been on it for so many times. He knew the channel and where everything was. But uh, yeah, we gave that a go. One of the, one of the most successful ventures. I tell you still. what. Now you've mentioned that reminds me when I sit here uh, on the deck and look out over the lake here at Lake Wiley, and we see a lot of boats in the in the summer with uh, inner tubes tied behind them and mm-hmm. folks water skiing all that. I must admit, I am terrified thinking of where all those old tree stumps are in the water because this is a you know it's a it's a man-made lake lake wiley and i do know when the water level drops between the lake system in charlotte with lake norman up in the north to uh, mountain island lake where the drinking water comes from for charlotte to lake wiley in the south where we are and then down in the catawba river basin beyond here in the south the folks that manage the, the the lake system are often playing with the height of the lake waters. Of course, they do all over the country, all over the world, and preparing the lake level when bad weather is expected to drop the level and yep. help it that way. But anyway, when the when the level of the lake drops down, and sometimes it can drop down five feet from from where it is now, for example, which is fairly full today, I do see tree stumps in there from. You know, for one, when it was a forested area, uh-huh. and I'm always kind of worried where those tree stumps are when folks are folks are out on the tires. Fortunately, touch wood, I've never seen an accident, but um, 
I am very concerned about it, I must say. Yeah, I will say the, the lake that we were on, uh, I believe, was man-made. I'm pretty sure it was. But it just, I think all that was very cleared out. It was always deep. And in, in, in even our little cove, yeah. you know, you went far enough out just, you know, walking. You could just feel it. And it there wasn't anything down, that. Yeah. But it was one of the guys that, that uh, lived next door to us, um, he lived there permanently. That was, you know, where he lived. He worked... Uh, I think he might have worked in Oak Ridge, too, or maybe Rockwood, Tennessee, or something. But So he was down there all the time. Well, he had a houseboat that was always you know, docked. But what he would do at the, in the winter, they would drop they would drop Watts Bar Lake, which is the lake we were on yeah. every winter. And essentially, you could go from the seawall and walk maybe 10 feet of dry. You know, that's how far it would drop. You know, it was just dry. Yeah. And then, you know, it was much lower, obviously, and how you could a see it. A dry lake bed, you mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. would drop it enough to where, you know, the, yeah. you, would, you would normally be up to the seawall during the summer right on the water to where you maybe had to walk 10 feet to actually hit water at yeah. that point. He had anchored a floating tire with a big, like, welded O-hook out in the water. Okay. This tire stayed out there anchored 24-7, 365. It was there for years. And it was just in the middle of the cove there. And Dad was always saying, he said, that thing has no light on it, no nothing. Somebody could come barreling through here at night and tag that thing. Oh, no, it's terrifying. But nobody ever did that we knew of. Yeah. But what he would do is when they would drop the lake, he would move that houseboat out and just anchor it. And it would just float in the middle of our cove Yeah. until the lake rose again and he put it back on the dock. He was always an interesting character anyway. But <laughs> I still remember sometimes, you know, we'd, get, we'd climb up on that houseboat and run off the back of it and jump in the water in the summer. I, d- I must admit, I absolutely adore life down here on, on the lake. I find it very tranquil, very calm. And now, we're, we're recording this episode of Matched and the Other Guy in March. There is hardly any activity out on the lake. It's incredibly quiet. There's always wildlife down here, as we say, and you mentioned the geese, and uh, the geese are always very, very vocal. But this time of year, there is not one boat out there. I, and I, I love it. And I especially like it when we have this temperature change and in the morning and you see the mist rolling yeah. along the water. It's just a beautiful experience. Yeah, you definitely I mean, you have a beautiful vantage point right here. That's why this works out as a nice studio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, for that reason, yes. Uh, there's a lot of building work going on around Charlotte, but down here at the lake it is... I have to assume that there can't be an awful lot more building down here because, uh, we're, well, we're on the lake. That's yeah. it, yeah. There's only so much frontage. There's only so much. There is only so much frontage, yeah. Well, we better think about bringing this episode to a close. Yeah. That was fun. I like talking about... Yeah, so you've never had a boat. I've only had one boat. Uh, but we still managed to have a conversation for half an hour about... It's amazing how it doesn't really matter what topic we come up exactly. with conversation. We can have a chat about it. Well, well I, may, I may get a boat down the line. I'm not sure. Really? Well, you know, who knows? We may end up on the lake one day. I know my wife would love it. So if yeah. that, that happens, maybe maybe we will venture into that. I never thought I would have a boat, I must say. But when I bought the house down here, so many of my friends said, well, of course you're going to get a boat. And I was thinking, well, you know, quite frankly, I didn't really think about it. But I do like that idea now. And I will get one, and I'll, but I will buy one that needs restoring. So, again, that's been a fun project to do. We shall have to go out on it. Exactly. I tell you what, we should go out I, on I the mean, boat one day, and we we could record an episode of the podcast out on the lake. Why we'd want to do that, I've no idea. But we <laughs> we can do. We have the technology to be able to do it. That's right. Yeah, let's do that. 
We'll go. We'll go for a boat ride. Well, I remember. Day. I remember it when it was in the garage and the cover was off the engine and it was yeah. in, in in mid project. So. Yes. Yeah, so, well, now we should get it on the well. It is in the boat house. We'll put it on the lake. We'll go out for a ride round on it and do an episode of the podcast from the lake. That's what we should. There do. you go. All right, gentle listener. <laughs> Stick with us, and uh, we're certainly going to do another episode of Magic and the Other Guy. I'm not sure when the boat ride episode will happen, but it will happen. We will make that happen. We'll make that a reality. If you we'll make promise some, to the listeners, there you go. Yeah, and we'll take some photographs so we can we can prove we're out there. Yeah. See you soon. All right. See you then.